Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Go ahead. Bye. No, we're just starting. Can you say, check the mic? Hi. Say, check. Say, check, check. Check, check. Yeah, there we go. Can you say, hi? Hi. Can you say, podcast? Podcast. <laughs> It's the best. Say it again. Podcast. Yeah, you're <laughs> such a smart bean. Welcome to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. I'm so happy to be with you guys today. Podcast. If you go to my show notes, there is a link to register for Wrap Your Head Around Silk's free mini course. It's 10 chapters of some diverse topics and some great little nuggets of advice for your silks practice. Today I have Helen Zhu with me. She is actually a student of mine. And over the time that I've had the podcast, she would come in and tell me she listened to an episode and give me her thoughts on it. And then through that process, I learned about her birth stories. And she has a jaw-dropping story as well. I am recording Erica and Helen's episodes back-to-back, but I had no plan to tell these two stories as close together. They are similar, but of course, everyone has a different experience. Erica Lintz, who was on the pod last week, she experienced what is known as a miscarriage. And Helen what is known as a molar pregnancy. Now, we all know that I'm not an expert or a doctor. The only thing I'm an expert at is probably Ariel and, and dancing. So the Mayo Clinic says that a molar pregnancy is a rare complication characterized by the abnormal growth of cells that normally develop into the placenta. And it can have serious complications, including a rare form of cancer. And we will go into that part of Helen's story today. It is caused by an abnormally fertilized egg. Human cells normally contain 23 pairs of chromosomes. One in each pair comes from the father and the other the mother. In a complete molar pregnancy, an empty egg is fertilized by one or two sperm. And all of the genetic material is from the father. In this situation, the chromosomes from the mother's egg are lost or inactivated, and the father's chromosomes are duplicated. In a partial or incomplete, the mother's chromosomes remain, but the father provides two sets. As a result, the embryo has 69 chromosomes instead of 46. The most often occurs when two sperm fertilize an egg, resulting in an extra copy of the father's genetic material. This was read as a quote, word for word, from the myoclinic.org under molar pregnancy. I will link this in the show notes. Helen is now a mother of two beautiful children, and she is an avid aerialist hobbyist. She's also a certified yoga instructor and aerial yoga instructor. And she met her husband in Shanghai. He is a Caucasian American. 
and doesn't speak Chinese. She is a Chinese woman from China. And this is where the story will begin. So without further ado, let's hear from Helen. Just a heads up. English is not her first language, so she is an eloquent speaker, but if it ever gets a little bit confusing, I have stopped her and explained what she had said, and then we go back to the story. All right, guys, here we go. I'm good. I just back from uh, hot yoga. I miss hot yoga so much. I went at the kingship in uh, Highland Park. I love it. I love it. Um... Okay, so you know what I did last night, Helen, is I actually researched molar pregnancy because I had never heard of it. Common in the Western society. My husband never. The people I met here, they, they don't know. No such a thing. Erica Lentz, who I just recorded and it went up, it's up right now. She had a missed miscarriage. Right, I listened to that podcast. Which is... Just as rare, and also I had never heard of it. And to find out that both of you guys, mm-hmm. right back to back, I was like, what are the chances that I've never heard of either missed miscarriage or molar pregnancy? And then two of my friends tell me the same two weeks. I just thought that was, what are the chances, you know? I thought you planned that purposely. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. Helen's actually on the other side of this, whereas Erica is right in the thick of it. So Erica is in that place where she has just gotten the surgery to get rid of the anomaly in her uterus. But this happened for for you like a decade ago. I know. 15 years. 15 years. You asked me to talk about, I have to like search back this memory, like into like my brain database it's like so long time ago almost i want to talk about menopause <laughs> but not <laughs> helen do you think that you're having menopause now just this month stop this so i'm wondering is that starting now i'm not sure you know i know there's early menopause and when it starts earlier than normal but i don't know that age range because you're actually not that much older than me maybe by three years 45 to 50-something, it's normal. I'm 47, so... Helen, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for menopause. Don't tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) You're not. Not you, not you. No, but I'm only three years behind you. What are you talking about? I mean, I'm just so glad I have this little bean, Mm -hmm. you know, because... People can have a baby for 50s. I mean, no problem. Everybody is different. Everybody's different. It didn't, I didn't let that creep into my mind, but I think that at 45, I'm going to be like, oh man, I'm closer to 50 than 40, you know? Still a long time. Five years is long. Okay. It's a long time. You have tons of opportunity to make a new baby. <laughs> Helen has been there to see me through my recovery back to Ariel, and I complain about it almost every day. So she hears it. Um, I want to tell the podcast listeners about you. So Helen is one of uh, the students at Womack and Bowman. I see her every week, although my schedule is changing now and that might change because she likes to go to class in the morning. But so she's an avid aerialist hobbyist, um, super strong, super, super strong and dedicated to her practice. How many classes a week do you take? Maybe six? 
actually, it's, now it's probably only five to four. Yeah, I try to cut down a little bit. Sometimes too much, not good. <laughs> you also have a rig in the middle of your house. So you practice at home and then you take silks, lira, hammock, right, and pole. Each apparatus consider it only once a week, not that much. True, true. So it's once a week only. Every week come back, I still feel like new. Still not easy. Still have to regain that muscle memory. Yeah, and then she comes to Silks on Mondays and she's like, why do my forearms hurt? It's only been a week. I'm like, I don't know. Um, yeah, you want your headset? She's got a headset in her ha- Sesame Street, but I think she gets FOMO and she wants to be a part of the podcast. She's the youngest podcast in the world. I know. <laughs> she's only almost two and she knows how to say podcast. She doesn't want to say it right now. So over the time that I've been teaching Helen and I've had the podcast now for six or so months, she's an avid listener, which I'm so excited about. And she listens and listens and through her coming to class and listening to the podcast. I learned so much from your podcast too, because we're both women, we're age close, practice Ariel, you're my teacher, and I can relate to so much from class with Chinese so much more common. So I feel lots of things about you talking about woman relationship. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah, she loves to come in class and tell me her thoughts on the guests that I bring in. And through that process, she started to reveal to me that her childbearing process and her plan to have a family did not go as planned at the beginning, but this is 15 years ago. So she is now a mom of two great kids, a boy and a girl. And unlike Erica's story, this is like going in the way back machine after there's a happy ending. Helen, if you can take us back, all the way back and explain what happened. Sure. And explain where your mind was at. Like, where was your head and your heart in all of this? That's a story I want to share. I want to. Yeah, my son used to ask me, I said, I'm going to do my first podcast. Ha! I love it. Are you nervous? I said, I said yes, I, uh, I'm nervous. I said, just like uh, when you do something new, I think that's, that's not important. The important thing is I want to share yeah. my life experience with others. So anything people, they find information useful, or just for to connect with others. That would be my bless. That would be my honor. I'm honored that you'll share your story with this greater community. Um, Erica's already told me that women have reached out to her from all over the world to say that happened to me. I had a similar story. And I think it's just so great that we can come together in this way. And um, if it helps at all, just imagine you and I are talking on the phone. Yeah, just uh, just for talk about. Thank you for the opportunity too. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Take us back. I, I don't know the story, so I'm really happy to come at this with some curiosity. Sure. So it was like 15 years ago, around it. I think 2006, when we first, my husband and I, we just uh, got married like one year ago. Before that, like 2005. So we were like already 30. Early 30s, we were like so ready, mm-hmm. so ready to settle down, start our family. Yes. So when we first found out um, I was pregnant, that was in a private clinic in Beijing, China. 
mainland. Mm. She immediately looked at the ultrasound and said, oh, it's, you have to do surgery. It's wrong. It's not a normal pregnancy. Okay, so, so how many weeks in was it that you got this ultrasound? Morning sickness is like a different to normal pregnancy. I think like, a one, like two weeks. Ah. I started feeling like extremely nauseous. So I did like test kit at home. She was the positive. Yes. So we were so thrilled, so excited. My period stopped. She told me it's wrong. I need to get DNC, which is a procedure, you know, that uh, use a section to remove the tissue in your uterus. So my husband, he was like, no, he never heard of the name more pregnancy. Yes. Asian nations. This is common, actually. When I grown up, my mom, her colleague and our neighbor, they had this lady. So for me, I'm familiar with the name. Molar pregnancy, right. Right, right. My husband, he totally said, no, we're not going to do just one doctor told us to do surgery. We're just going to kill our baby. The second doctor, which is the most reputable hospital, public hospital in Beijing, was a senior guy, like almost 70 years old. We went to ultrasound again. Then he told us, said, oh, there's heart disease. Oh. Oh, my God. It's like great news ever. So my husband says, he told me, he says, see, that lady said we should have, have surgery. So basically what you're saying is you were having extreme morning sickness. You went in after just a couple weeks and you got an ultrasound and the lady said it was not a normal pregnancy. It's a molar pregnancy and said you have to do an abortion, basically. Right. Basically. Right, right, right. And then your husband's like, I've never even heard of this. Let's get a second opinion. Yes. You went to another doctor. He said he hears a heartbeat. And so then you're like, oh, my God, I'm so glad we didn't go through with it. That sounds crazy. Cool. Okay. so then you go then you go home. Right. And how long you go home? Then we just uh, let this pregnancy develop or wait, finish the first trimester, like three months. Wow. Okay. But this three months wasn't easy. I mean, you know, pregnancy may seem normal at first. Symptoms are like so like uh, it's out of control. The uterus, they grow like much larger for the normal stage of pregnancy. Right. Come with a severe vomiting. I remember when I just walk on the streets, puke, like vomit or violence, vomiting my stomach acid. Wow. Just on the street roads uncontrollable my face will turn purple because from internal but we still believe this the severe maybe my pregnancy means healthier so we just the patient to the wait wow when i finished the first trimester so i thought oh it's a time to check in with doctor now it's a real time to check if it's a healthy baby or not first doctor have some reason to say that so went to the third doctor okay also in china you're still in china at this time right all these things happening in China, in Beijing, that city. Okay. The woman doctor immediately said, it's a molar pregnancy. You have to do surgery immediately. Okay. So the third doctor said the same thing as the first doctor. Yes. So we have to accept that. That's the only choice. You don't have any other choice moving forward. So I have to transfer to my hometown to do the surgery. Because there wasn't enough space at the hospital in Beijing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I waited I don't have a hospital. So I waited to the transfer the new hospital. I did a DNC twice in that new hospital. Okay. Why twice? Egg and sperm join incorrectly at the fertilization. Yes. 
So a tumor forms instead of a healthy placenta, but this tumor or more, they cannot support the embryo. So this time pregnancy ends, that's why it's called a mole. But they found my mole, is some more, they are invasive more. Oh. They invasive the uterus of the wall, the surgery twice, some maybe even require third time. Okay. So after finishing my two time surgery, so I just want to check out, go home. But doctor said I have to stay in the hospital for two, one more week. So I just checked out. So after I checked out, they asked me to still follow up HCG blood test, um, pregnancy hormone. Okay. Yeah, is that go back to normal? Before surgery, like 3,000. So after surgery, go down to 1,000 something. Normal HCG level should be the 0 0.03. So my, like way, way like thousands times there. So I thought I'd just go back to wait for recovery. So I just go back to hospital, check HCG. But one week later, my HCG went bad. The same as your previous interviews, Erica, right? She said her HCG also went bad, become abnormal. So instead of going down, I going back to high level. So that time doctor said, okay, so you, your moral is an invasive moral. So you need to do chemotherapy. When they did the first DNC, they realized that the tumor that had been created because the egg and the sperm did not correctly implant mm -hmm. ended up in the wall of your uterus. Right. Okay. But since I waited for three months, ah, uh, it grow into my muscle layer of my uterus. It became fused with your tissue, and so then they had to go and literally cut it out. Immediately, two weeks, one week surgery to clean that up. So you have less chance to become invasive more. So at this point, you're at home and you're doing the HCG level testing on your own, or you're going into the hospital to do that? I have to go hospital. Yeah, you cannot do it at home. It's not like a, a home kit you can test it. So you're at the hospital and they realize your HCG levels have gone up again. What's next? Then doctor have to start your chemotherapy. So what I read last night is if they can confirm that it's a molar pregnancy, they cannot necessarily confirm that there are cancer cells there, but they treat it as if there are, no matter what. Is that true? Not necessarily, because when you do the DNC, that. The tissue they removed, they were sent to laboratory to test immediately. Oh, so they, they have a biopsy of your tumor. Yes. And it's, and it's cancerous. Yes. So let me just stop here, too, to explain to our podcast listeners, from what I have read, and you can confirm this, this type of cancer is completely brought on by the pregnancy. You wouldn't have had another type of cancer right. had it not been for this, correct? Right. right. Okay. Another cancer is possible chemotherapy is people, you know, they had the pregnancy outside your uterus. That also requires chemotherapy. It does. Wow. Helen. Yes. <laughs> it's so interesting talking to you versus, versus Erica, because had I talked to you 15 years ago, it would be way more emotional because this is so long ago for you. So you're telling me. Totally different. I feel bad. So, so bad for her. I, when I listen to her, 
bring back my memory. Yeah. I'm totally in different position because she's still going through that in that moment. But now yes. I'm in the like, other end. Of course, it's easy for me, but it's so hard for her. But I can't totally feel for her. Yeah. Every week I have to go back to HCG. You know, I was nervous because I had experienced previously. They went back means my cancer came back. Every week is like being, listen to your sentence. Okay. Yeah. I remember that moment. It's not like you just got sick. Like you lost a child. Right. Well, you lost what you thought was your child. Getting cancer. And uh, you even don't know when this treatment ends. I also experienced two times the chemotherapy tolerance. Two times my drug not working anymore. Oh, wow. Is that I'm ever going to get better? It's like, and also the difficulty is in China, you know? It's like everything's like you need a connection or something. You're saying that you couldn't get a hospital bed, meaning is it just that there's too many people and not enough care? I couldn't even find a doctor to see me. So in the end... My husband, he had to search the doctor in U.S. Then he had to email all these U.S. doctors. They go back to find their colleague in China. Wow. Finally, we have to go this world around to find doctor to treat me for my chemotherapy. was like waiting. The doctor in Beijing said, oh, you have immunity to do this surgery. You are dying if you don't take quick action. But the other side, I said, I want to get treated, but no beds for me. So that's even the more frustration than the treatment itself. Oh, my God. This is such an ordeal. So when you started chemotherapy, was it like what we hear about all the time? You lose your hair. You're sick constantly. Was it all of that? Chemotherapy in the first stage. After that first time, I encountered drug parents. So that chemotherapy not working. Give me an idea of time frame. Like the first round of chemo was uh, six months, was four months? Only maybe two months. What was that like? What was the chemotherapy like? Of course, discomfort, but it's not like uh, like a severe, like uh, that's what later stage. First, okay, I think I can tolerate. Plus that time, my mind is not even like treatment. It was like just, uh, I want to get these things done. That time, generation process, not important. Just uh, do whatever you can. I encountered this chemotherapy parents, so they can't treat me anymore. So that time, my husband has to find doctor in the big city. I mean, expert. So you feel like you didn't suffer too much the first round, but then you were tolerant of the chemotherapy by the second round. That's pretty quick. Not looking back, I think doctor said it's quite normal. Oh, all right. Yeah. Luckily, my husband found the doctor in US, so they contact their. Chinese colleague in Beijing. We contact this doctor. He accepted me in Beijing. So I went back in the big hospital to do the second. So he prescribed me the new formula. Okay. So I did a second round. Then two months later, had tolerance again. Oh, man. You had a tolerance to the second type of chemotherapy drug. Right, right, right. Wow. Okay. Since I haven't had children, so they try to keep my uterus. Small dosage, very mild. Okay. That's why not suffering so much. Some cases, they just remove the whole uterus for that woman. So they don't want to hurt my uterus too much if I want to get pregnant again. Sure. No other option. They just need to give me like a big bomb. They give me like a cancer, uterus cancer, chemotherapy. Wow. I just one, did one round my hair completely fall. 
Wow. That's the moment I remember. Only time I cried. Oh. My hair is full of my pillow. Then I told my husband, said, just, I just, just shaved my head. Then he shaved my whole head. When I looked at the mirror, that moment I cried. Wow. Because I look at the mirror, I shock. But nowadays, probably shave your head is very cool thing. <laughs> you know, did you see uh, we have a student? You're one of your classmates. She's in college. She just shaved her head the other day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that that's the only time you cried, that shows your strength because I would have been crying at every stage along the way. Being pregnant is amazing. And then you end up with this. I mean, come on. This is crazy. But now I think about I should cry. Actually, because now I think about people needed to express their vulnerability. I need their softness. My mind is blocked. Don't think. But now I think it's good to feel your heart and feel your feeling. In the end, all those feelings probably will be stuck in your conscious level. I mean, still get you. So it's better to release on the way, to cry out, to express maybe the age. That time, just everything, just muscle, just push, pushes through. Do you feel like... It's the Chinese culture, or do you think that it was just you? It's like that time, everybody in China, hurry up, get everything. I want to get a boyfriend. After the boyfriend, I want to get married. After married, I want to make money. After making money, I want to have kids. I want kids, I have first one, I have second one. Always a goal-oriented. It's a society thing. But now I think it's different. What, what's the purpose, right? It, it's, it's changing. The society and the culture is changing, too. Even China is changing, probably. I agree. I feel like that old school Chinese mentality. And again, from doing podcasts so much recently, I've realized that we are not the only culture that doesn't talk about our feelings. I feel like almost every culture. Every culture. It's not us. It's not just us. Like yoga practice, be mindful and enjoy the journey. But it's also the journey goes through to teach me. It, it's a lesson I learned too. But I have no regrets. I did what I can the best. I mean, also, I'm lucky. I, I'm grateful, totally grateful. Because in the end, a uh, lesson teach me. I didn't suffer that much compared something like a warning. Like you have to take care of yourself in the end. have to listen. What body, what message is there to telling you? How long did the process take? Like, tell me the end of the story to getting back to healthy and then what your next steps were. Chemo, like half a year, the whole recovery, I have to follow up HCG. So that's probably together one year. One year, and then at what point, what's next? Your doctors say you're healthy, you guys can try to conceive again. What was the next thing? Yeah, doctor said one year, but ideally it says two years. But we tried like one year and a half, have our own plan for the family again. Yes. But that didn't happen. The procedure previous I go through, maybe the chemotherapy, maybe the uh, DNC, those affect my ability to become pregnant that time. We just uh, went to the next step. We're seeking for the IVF. Okay. The IVF doctor and uh, found all kinds of problems. So more pregnancy could affect the uterus wall because the DNC procedure, they cause the scar tissue in your uterus. Mm. From there, we went through to the another chapter of life to seeking for the IVF help. So there also 
lots of stories and the, just the long story short, we are lucky we, I got pregnant just the first round of IVF. Wow, so how many eggs were retrieved? Not many actually, only seven. Wow, those numbers are not good. Usually that means you're not gonna be able to get an embryo to implant. Right, not, yeah, not people getting 11, something like at least more than 10. I had my eggs frozen when I was 38. Mm -hmm. And it was really bad, like, my body d did not want to do it. I ended up with four, barely four eggs. Oh, uh, at least uh, you, you got some. <laughs> you got being, you don't need to worry anymore. No, I don't need to worry anymore. But like literally $17,000 and I barely, and I almost didn't get any. That's true. It's expensive. It's expensive. You got lucky and you got pregnant on your first round of IVF, which is, you know, sometimes I feel like life just throws you a bone because things before were so hard. Like luck is just was on your side because it was already so hard. That's true. But also the IVF, yeah, we did lots of homework. And uh, during the process, I also yeah encountered some difficulties. But in the end, it's worked out. So what was the problem when you were... Before he said IVF, you need to get ready your body. So he prescribed certain procedure for us. Uh-huh. According to his requirement, we need to find a local doctor. So their doctor in China, I mean, the level is so just uh, uneven. You could end up great expert, but you could end up... I went to Philippine tube procedure. I have to be take video, like see my Philippine tube is, is clean, so egg can go through. So through that uh, procedure, that local that uh, doctor, director of that clinic, she did something to my uterus. My stop, my uterus started contraction, started giving birth. You went in, she gave you an injection or something, and then it started your, your uterus contractions just out of nowhere? Right. I don't know what she injected because she said she needs to take like a picture so you can see the ultrasound is clear. Yeah. This was like most pain even than any other surgeries. Wow. Right. Then she is like even shouted to me. She said, stop screaming. I even didn't do anything study yet. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like so Chinese, so old, old school. No, wait. No, no anesthesia for DNCs at that hospital? Yeah, in old days in China. That's the. Oh my God. In the end, the procedure she did even with sent to U.S. doctor. The doctor said, no, cannot use that. It's totally wasted, the suffering. The procedure she did is completely useless. Wow. So how, how long were you in pain? Was it just during the visit? During that procedure, during the, the contraction, then contraction come down like uh, two hours later. Oh, my God. But for no reason, though, basically. Just because she wants to do the ultrasound, she wants to took the pictures, see that her floppy tube is clear. But she obviously, she, she didn't know what to do. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. And honestly, again, since we're both Chinese, I feel like if you're from the same ethnicity, you can complain about them all you want. So, <laughs> yeah, just complaining about the Chinese people. Um, but you know what? I have a feeling as well that a lot of Chinese people I know, they would rather get treated in China. Maybe it's because of the language barrier. Like they want to be able to speak in Chinese. Probably. Probably. You really need to find the right doctor. The right doctor. Yeah, you need a connection. 
And you're not talking about an emotional connection. You're talking about like a connection. I know a guy who knows a great doctor and you should go to him. Okay. Exactly. Not emotional, nothing. You know somebody. That sucks. Okay. So this was all before you even did the hormones. Before IVF. Okay. So actually the hormones and the withdrawal and then the embryo procedure and then the implantation, that's actually the easier part of the story. Yeah, that's the smooth part. After that, it's all smooth. After that, it was smooth. Okay, so your first kid is uh, your son? Right. Okay, so was the, what was the pregnancy? Was it just totally normal? No, actually, it was stressful. I, my morning sickness is severe too. But then wow. after that, I started to have digestion diabetes also. Oh, you have you had gestational diabetes? My doctor said I gained weight too fast. Oh. Yeah, worried about baby want to get healthy, so I ate a lot. Yeah, but it was because the gestational diabetes that you were putting on weight too quickly. Mhm. Possible. Because you're you're a very very petite woman. But it also possible because my body just not that uh, healthy and strong at time because I went through was uh, Previously, the chemo and the, all that, I, I didn't really to have long period of time to recovery. I just jumped right through. I could, I didn't wait longer, but the way just one go, go ahead, move to the next stage. I talk about everything is goal oriented. Yeah. Yeah. So like HC normal. Okay. It's normal. Just the result shows number, number normal, body normal. I'm ready. I'm go next. I'm, I just want to do it. So no, no emotional or mental or physical healing between. You just push through, which it's not just Chinese people. It's, it's a lot of people. And lots of people, lots of people. A lot of people. And I feel like this is what we're kind of learning in this day and age is that you need to heal and that you need to do the emotional part even though it's probably the hardest part. I can't imagine what this, what this must have been for you. You know, you're happy that you're pregnant, then the molar pregnancy, then two DNCs, then you figure out you have to do chemo, and then you're like, okay, let's treat the chemo, and then the chemo's not working, and then the chemo's not working again, and then you're finally healthy, and then you go to this doctor, and she doesn't know what to do with your uterus. And I mean... This is like a couple years of your life. You and your husband are ready to have a kid. Also, that time, start our own company in China. Oh, wow. And so the phone constantly, day and night. I was like, yeah. Just the mentor is stressed out. I mean, everything. But we still just thought, oh, body to body, mind to mind. I'm the boss of my body. I ask him what to do. He needs to do. Look back, yes, it's not healthy. So that's why maybe got diabetes. I mean, just the... You, everything your body can tear if you are relaxed or not. Is there a part of gestational diabetes that's stress-related? Because I always thought it was random. I think you, your mind of state is contribute a lot. Your state of mind contributes a lot. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Everything's connected. Helen, your second pregnancy with your daughter, was that IVF? No. Okay. So it's just come natural. So how how much uh, age difference is there between the two of them? Twenty months only. Yeah, we just want to do bam 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 again. Like I told you, just go to next next. Did you guys just say okay, we're gonna have sex and see what happens? Never say never plan, but we just have like mutual agreement. We want second child. 
Did you guys like do any of the things that other people do, like peeing on the stick and, you know, timing the ovulation? Or you just said, we're just going to try or in your mind? Mm, no, we didn't do anything. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was lucky. But the, the funny thing is body have instinction. I know that day I, I was pregnant. Really? Yeah. The funny. Like right after you guys had sex, you knew? Like in your in your heart, you you know the technology is so advanced. Now you, you can check one week, like uh, no period. So I I checked it, it. It was positive. Yeah. So you just had a feeling. Feeling that was yeah. It was happy ending anyway. Okay, I was trying to remember how old your kids are. How old your son? My son twelve. Okay, and your daughter is uh, ten. Yeah. Wow. I mean, parents are grateful. I'm still, yeah. That's just a lot to go through. I guess everybody's life, probably, they all go through their difficulties. I have nothing to complain. And I just, uh, that's the journey, probably, I have to go through. Yeah. And it's so, uh, I can imagine being you listening to Erica or many other women. You know, you just know exactly what that feels like. True. I am really glad that our audience is hearing your story because I think that also a lot of the students at the studio, they just don't know a lot about each other. It's nice to connect. Yeah. So share the stories. And I asked Helen, I was like, hey, you want to go from being a listener to a guest? She's like, ah, <laughs> wait. <laughs> well, I'm going to say in the podcast. <laughs> What if it doesn't come out well? I'm like, that's called editing. Don't you worry. That's why we edit everything. Uh, I said in the end, my imperfect English and my nerves don't matter. The matter is I want to share yes. my experience. I want to connect with others. That's all matters. It's such a niche thing to have this thing, Ariel, in our lives. And then we're all women and we all have this common experience it's really really important and i have never been a person that knows anything about pregnancy or recovery like i don't know anything you're becoming an expert now i'm learning every day like i had no idea like last night i went through the internet and i i like researched miscarriage and i didn't realize there were so many different types of ways that you can miscarry and what the treatments are and what that means, I was like, my mind was blown. So this is another story that is not so common. I think they said one out of every 600 to 1,000 pregnancies are molar pregnancies. Yeah, but in Asia, Southeast Asia is six. Really? Okay. Research shows. Here people, they haven't heard those kind of things common. Right, in America. But where there's a lot of Asian women, they see it all the time and it's not... Right. Such an anomaly. And in that way, it's probably good that you were in China. Eh, but. Experience, very experienced. But, but since they become cancer, is rare. I mean, more pregnancy is common, but you need to do DNC right away. If, like me, wait three months. So the early treatment is a key. Yeah. How did your husband deal with this entire process? I mean, if that's, an e that's not an easy answer, but. Um, grown up different background. Yeah. He thought that's also his baby. Yes. He wants yes. But I thought, oh, that's my body. I'm the one suffering through what I want to do. Yeah. Come to the agreement is, uh, yeah, I remember uh, stress. 
we have the lucky, we have a common goal, just like any couple, right? No matter what happened, in the end, we have the same goal. We want to get better. We want to save our family and we want to be healthy. And we have, we have our own children and we want. Yeah. Yeah, just you never give up. Like IVF, if it doesn't work, we'll probably try second round. The doctor, this doesn't work. Even not work, we could even go to surrogate. There's always a way. Wow. Um, Helen, I'm so grateful that you're here on the podcast. I'm grateful that I heard your story. Thank you for the platform. I'm grateful. And uh, you let me to talk. I never talk about it, actually, besides my husband. Nobody, never. Wow. And now to the world all at once. And I think sometimes it's easier that way because it's so hard to tell the story many times, I think. That's great answer. Yeah, it might just tell once to all. Yeah. Anytime it's a hard story, it's like tell it once. Almost in a way, it's perfect of a recording because uh, the way I feel about my birth of my daughter, it wasn't a great day. Like it was a really rough birth. And I told my friends on a video chat and I saved the video. And I feel like I never have to think about it again if I don't want to, but it's alive and well because it's recorded and it's saved and I don't have to carry it around. Yeah, you, you already give it all. So I'm very, very grateful that you came to share. I think that um, a lot of women are going to be like, wow, I thought I was alone. Wow, that was me. You're a joy in my life. I always say that Helen is like the older sister <laughs> that I have an older sister and she's we're very close. But you're like, if I had another one, it would be you because my actual sister, our personalities are very opposite from each other. Yeah. If I had a sister who had more of my personality, it would be somebody like you. No. Like we have a lot of similarities. <laughs> we had lots of fun in your class. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we enjoyed and <laughs> sadly. I know I changed my schedule and me and Helen are only going to see each other on the internet probably for the next couple months, but really grateful for you to be here. And I'm so excited for people to hear this. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much to Helen for being open, honest, and vulnerable to tell us all about her story. No matter how long ago it is, it was a really trying time in her life. And it's a big deal to share that with the world. So thank you, Helen. And if you go to my show notes, a reminder that there's the free registration for the Wrap Your Head Around Silks mini course. 10 chapters of some great nuggets of advice and some diverse topics for you to add to your practice. Thanks so much to Asa Watkins for music and post-production. And if you would honor me with a five-star rating and a review anywhere you find your podcasts, it really helps other people find me more easily. And thank you so much for listening. This is the Expecting Aerialist podcast. 